Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and we are back again for another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So, Derek, we've had an interesting week. Why don't we tell everybody about uh, what we did last night and what will be coming soon on the Derek Diamond Experience? So... I had the fantastic pleasure of doing a panel for my solo show, The Derek Diamond Experience, about the film Survey, which you and I were both a part of this past summer. Yes, sir. Uh, editing is pretty much complete on it. I know there's still a little bit of audio work that needs to be done, but you know, I was telling Steve Wise, the director, that day after we finished uh, wrapping production, or at least wrapping filming, that I was already planning on doing a panel about the movie, having, you know, him, the cast, the crew to talk about it. And we finally had the chance to do it last night. And people can go on my Facebook page and they can watch the video version. I'll be posting the audio version uh, probably in May, if I had to guess. But it was one of the most fun panels that, you know, I've done on my show. It was just great hearing, you know, how Survey got started, how everyone got involved and, funny onset stories and things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear from, from your perspective, but you know, it, it was, it was fun. And, you know, I, I remember, um, Anna who played survey kept saying, you know, sorry, we're getting so off track, but you know, I just love, like, I just love, you know, hearing you guys talk about those things. So, uh, what, what did you think of it? Oh, I had a blast, man. Uh, it, it was fun just getting to hang out with everybody again, you know? Uh, just, just kind of being in the same room, hanging out, talking about everything. It was really fun. And then, uh, the actual panel itself was really fun and, and went on for like almost two hours. So it's going to be a a good chunk of content when you finally get it up on the, uh, the Derek Diamond experience podcast feed. Uh, but you can actually go look at the video now, just go to the Derek Diamond experience Facebook page and you can watch the video of it. What's funny is I was talking with Steve after the the podcast and he was like, are you going to split it into two parts? I was like, maybe, because usually if I have shows that run that long, I'll split it into two parts because, you know, two hours is a lot of time to listen through one podcast. So I I may end up splitting it into two. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea uh, to split it into two. Um, I was going to ask you guys, is Steve going to add that onto the Blu-ray as an extra? Yes. 
Sweet. Yes, he is. So, and he he was telling me he was going to add that and the the panel from Pensacon. Oh, cool. Yeah, I still so, haven't even heard the uh, the audio of that yet. Yeah, I've still got to <clears throat> I've got to sync up the audio and the video because to to explain you know for the viewers and the listeners, I basically had to record the audio uh, through my Zoom recorder because. Otherwise, it would require a very, very long XLR cable that I do not possess. So just plug my recorder into the speaker and hit record and I can, you know, go and sync it in. Um, in the Adobe Premiere, which is a video editing software. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be included on the, the Survey Blu-ray as well when whenever that comes out. So awesome. I, it, was, it's, it, was a, it was a really fun weekend. You know, it was fun getting to hang out with everybody and... Yeah, I, I appreciate you making the the drive all the way over. It was, it was fun having you, and you got to see the the full studio that I'm in. Yeah, Derek's got an awesome little studio there. There's there's a lot more that you can't see, uh, in the surrounding area. He's got two uh, really cool posters behind him right now. But beyond the the, the walls of the video, you, there's there's lots more cool stuff on the walls around him. A lot of lot of stuff I've collected throughout the years, but you know it, it was it was fun. Everybody should go check out the the video version of uh, the survey panel. And like I said, probably in in May sometime will be the um, the audio version. More than likely, I will be splitting it into two parts because you know with with my schedule about to get a lot crazier, it'll <laughs> be nice to have an extra week's worth of content. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, which, which, speaking of that, next uh, next Sunday is my last uh, my last Sunday of freedom. Yeah. So, yeah, th- baseball th- starts. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it won't affect the show until I think late May. But we'll we'll figure that out when we get a little bit closer to it. Yeah. Once we get closer to it, we'll tell it. We'll let everybody know what our new schedule is going to be. Uh, more than likely, it'll be probably either pushed back a couple of hours on Sunday night or some nights we may have to actually move to a different night. But um, we're mm-hmm. still going to try to go live uh, on Twitch whenever yep. we do. So just kind of keep an eye out on the, the Twitter page at Nerd Cave Retro. We'll let everybody know um, what's, go- what's going on over there. For sure. But, uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun last night. Uh, I honestly, I didn't think I was going to make it at one point because I got held up by a, a really bad accident on the interstate, uh, on the Mississippi, Alabama border and, uh, was sitting on the interstate in my car for like 45 minutes, not moving. And I kept telling Derek, calling him going, uh, still sitting here, not moving. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it was all good. And I, I told Steve, you know, at, after you called me, I was like, Jason might be a little bit late because he's stuck in traffic due to an accident. But, you know, even if you were like half an hour or 45 minutes late, then I would have waited. Because if you were going to drive all the way over here just to do a podcast, then <laughs> we would have. I mean, we started late anyway because of technical issues, but, you know, it, it all worked out. Yeah, but it was a blast. Go over there and watch the video of it on the Derek Diamond Experience Facebook page and listen to the audio when it comes out next month. It's awesome. And whenever a survey becomes available on Blu-ray or DVD, whatever whatever your preference, we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know so they can go uh, make us some money or make Steve some money. <laughs> and maybe we'll Absolutely. get to make another one. And, you know, we're, and we're not saying this just because we were involved with it, but it's actually a really good movie. It is. It's really good. I'm really yeah. proud of it. I can't wait for people to see it. Yeah. But uh, but on that note, let's go ahead and move into this month. In, uh, no, actually, we're going into the news. Sorry about that. Uh, well, this came out about a week ago. We're a little bit late on this, but uh, something I definitely wanted to talk about because it, we, we covered this a couple of months ago, and uh, we've also had a couple of conspiracy theories that we've thrown around since then about this story. Uh, but this is from uh, VentureBeat.com. Atari pressed the reset button on its Atari VCS game console. Basically, um, <coughs> excuse me, Atari made a lot of noise last year when it announced its Atari Box game console, but in December, just as it was about to launch its crowdfunding campaign and pre-orders for the box, it hit the pause button. The company postponed its pre-orders and its project general manager, Fiergel Mac Con- 
Oh, Lord. How do you pronounce this name? Kanaluda? Kanulad? Kanulad? I have no idea. Oh, the, the, anyway, no idea. Mr. Feargall left. Uh, <laughs> and during the uh, GDC, it announced it was back on track and renamed the box the, the Atari VCS, which is the original name for the uh, Atari 2600 that was released in 1977. Um, so that's not going to cause any kind of brand confusion or anything. Uh, they caught up with Atari CEO Fred Chesney, Chesney's and talked about the new plan to bring the retro modern game console to Atari fans. Um, he showed off the prototype, which uh, and the new controllers, which are cool looking, but uh, and, and not from this site, but from several other sites that uh, that met up with him during uh, GDC. It was not a working prototype. It was just it looked nice, but it didn't work. And the the controllers were also. Uh, what were they? Um, they hooked the controllers up to some computers because they were uh, USB controllers and they didn't work either. So I'm thinking this was just basically a ruse to try to... Uh, I still think that there's no prototype. All there is is this box and they're showing it off to try to garner interest. Um, and it looks really cool. The box itself looks cool. The controller, they actually have, you know, it's basically a standard looking controller, like a, uh, an Xbox controller. And then there's one that's in a, looks like an original, uh, Atari controller, you know, with the joystick and the one red button. Uh, mm. but basically I, I just, I don't think this is real. I think this is just, it, it was, you know, um, a mocked up, um, not a, not even a prototype, but just like a, uh, just a mock-up and they're trying to pass this thing off as a, a prototype and it, it doesn't even exist. I don't, at least in, I, I, that's my conspiracy theory. This thing doesn't even exist. So could you say that fear goal left in fear? Yeah, probably. Yeah. The, this whole thing, you know, I remember us first talking about this a while back on the show and even then, I felt a little suspicious. I was like, Atari, really? Like, yeah. I, I know Atari was a, a big deal back in the day, and they were a little bit before my time, but you haven't heard the name Atari in how many years? It's been a long, long time. Yeah. And I felt like there was no real merit to – because we, we've talked about this numerous times, and every story we've read, I felt like there wasn't really that much to it. And, like, there there was – there was something up as my as my grandpa used to say. I smell a rat in this situation. Mm -hmm. So, well, and they, and they it, tried to say things like, uh, you know, the like they, the reason that they they put it on pause for now is because you know there was something missing. And I'm like, yeah, uh, what you're missing um, games and a working prototype, uh, developers, um, uh, who your demographic is going to be. Like, who is this for? Is it is it for somebody like me who actually had a, a VCS or a 2600 back in the day? I'm not going to pay 350 bucks for something that just plays Atari 2600 games. Like, I want to be able to play, like, modern games on this thing. Like, what size hard drive does it have? What what kind of graphics processor does it have? How how What's under the hood of this thing? Like, they've told us nothing, absolutely nothing about it. Now, if it were a modern console and say it had had all of those old games on it, but they made new ones, yeah, then I think that would be kind of cool. But you know, it's there's just really there, there's a lot of fluff to this, and I I just I'm kind of over it at this point. Uh, it said that their their asking price for it uh, said it was two forty nine with the controllers, um, and that's that's two hundred and fifty bucks. For this machine, but is there going to be new games for it? Is the, do you have any developers? Like, who exactly is it going to have online capability? That will it, is it going to be? You know, is it going to have Netflix and Hulu and all that different type of stuff on it? Like, what is this thing going to have? They've shown nothing. No. No, I mean it's when the when companies announce a new console, they announce a lot of the features for like is it going to have like you said netflix and hulu is it going to have online capabilities what games are coming out for it 
With this, there's been nothing other than it's a console. Yeah. And that's it. And they don't even have a working prototype so, to show off. All it is is it's a nice-looking mock-up. And that's yeah. it. So I, I think this is just... Uh, I smell something fishy with this whole thing, like you said. Uh, you know, smell a rat. So I, I don't trust yep. these people as far as I can throw them because these are not the original Atari people that are, are pumping this thing. Like, there's no one that was... Uh, involved with the original Atari that's involved with this. This is people who came along, bought the Atari name, and now they're trying to use that that name to promote, uh, you know, a, a new quote unquote console. But this is something weird about this, and it smelled weird since the beginning. And as, as the further it yep. gets along, the the weirder it smells. Yep. Like a I bad totally ham. agree. Like a bad piece of ham, it just stinks. <laughs> oh, that that is pretty smelly. Well, let's move on to the Our, next uh, story. Yeah, this comes to us from the Daily Star. Super Smash Brothers Switch Nintendo release date, characters, E3 2018 news, trailers, leaks, etc. Nintendo's All Stars Brawler has been confirmed for Nintendo Switch, but what can we expect from the title? Now, we were talking about this story before we started. You know, I I had mentioned that I've deliberately avoided the Internet today for the most part because the day we're recording this is April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. And we, we know a lot of websites like to, to have fun at the uh, at the fans expense. So uh, see, this is less so a news update and more a forewarning this week, especially with regard to being wary of any leaked information you might see online. Uh, we're referring to stories circulating in the last few days, which have gathered pace based on some tweets from self-proclaimed industry insider Marcus Sellers. In a new post on Twitter, the video games insider commented on some key features for the returning Smash game. It includes references to Smash on Switch being a whole new game and a return of the Ice Climbers, who are actually quite a popular character. Uh, see, however, over the weekend, someone on Twitter came forward claiming to have supplied the fake info to sellers, writing, no, the smash leaks from Marcus sellers aren't real. How do I know? I've been his fake source this whole time. Huh. R-O-F-L, which is for, for those who don't know means rolling on the floor laughing. Don't keep falling for fake leakers. You can see the tweets and fall out here. The bottom line, take leaks with massive grains of salt, especially from industry insiders with slightly unreliable track records. Well, let let me ask you this: Have you have you been guilty of falling for any type of major April Fool story? No, not really. Uh, I remember um, way back in the day, probably around two thousand six or so, two thousand five. Uh, Blizzard got me once uh, with an April Fool's joke, but after that, uh, I haven't fallen for any kind of April Fool's Day thing on the internet. Because uh, after that, I was like, yeah, you, you got to watch out <laughs> on April first. Yeah, I remember this was, I think, back in 2008. IGN posted this trailer for a live-action Zelda movie. I remember that. And I remember I remember, I lost my mind when I saw it. <laughs> and then they showed the release title, or the release at the end, it says April 1st. I'm like, no! <laughs> I fell for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and... I've never quite trusted IGN again. Yeah, and I, I remember the thing that uh, Blizzard got me with. Well, I was a real big WoW fan at the time, and they came out, uh, new playable character coming soon were Wisps. And I was like, what the hell kind of crap is that? Who wants to play a Wisp? And then, you know, of course, later in the day, it was a con- it was uh, an a- found out it was an April Fool's joke. So I was like, oh, come on, man. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I still say I do think that the Smash Brothers game, because I, I want to say we talked about this maybe last week or the week before, I can't remember, but I, I do think it is a new game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it also says on here that uh, uh, that it is coming at some point in 2018, uh, but Metroid Prime 4 is also due to launch this year, uh, maybe, maybe towards the middle section of the year, as such you'd imagine Nintendo would want to keep release dates quite far apart meaning we'll potentially see Smash Brothers Switch launch towards the end of the year. What do you think about that? I think it would be a great thing. 
that's what we were saying I, earlier too. That's going to be the big uh, holiday release for this year. I think so. And you know, it, it's funny that you know we were talking about this recently as well. That you know, when the Switch originally came out, both Mario and Zelda came out in the same year. So you're thinking, mm-hmm. well, they they've released their you know number one and number two franchise. Yeah. What do you do to to top it? Well, then you bring out Smash Brothers. You bring out Metroid. Um, I, I'm hoping that at E3 we see some type of maybe a Star Fox announcement yeah. for 2019. You know, because I, I don't think you really need Star Fox this year if you're bringing out both Metroid and Smash Brothers. You can do Star Fox and maybe like Pikmin or another franchise for 2019. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still say the Switch, for the most part, is, is on the right track. I mean, we know we both have our gripes with their their online um, their online program that's not coming out until September. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the most part, it's they've been doing the right things, I think. Well, the good thing about the Switch, and, and you know, they didn't really have much of this for, uh, you know, the Wii U. Um, not really so much on the Wii either, but there's been a lot of third-party support for the switch. I mean, there's a lot of good games available on the, the, the eShop, uh, especially independent games. Like you go on the eShop and it is just chock full of in, uh, indie games, great stuff too. And there's still mm-hmm. more coming. Uh, one of the ones I'm looking forward to, uh, comes out in May. It's uh, little nightmares. And that's the one that I'm really looking forward to. That's coming out in May. Um, but, uh, you know, like I was talking about last week, I got, uh, steam world dig, uh, that was released late last year in 2017, but it was on sale in the, uh, eShop for five bucks. I picked it up. Game was awesome. And, um, so yeah, the, the mm-hmm. switch has a lot of good stuff going for it. If you haven't picked one up yet, do so. I mean, it, it's the best console out right now. It's worth it for Zelda and Mario alone. Absolutely. And I, I will say I did get um, – I might have mentioned this briefly last week, but I did get Splatoon 2 finally because um, I thought the first game was the few highlights of the Wii U. Yeah. And Splatoon 2 picks up right where the first one left off. It's really fun. I've had a, a lot of fun with the the online campaign. Uh, really fun um, shooter-type game with a very unique twist. It's, you know – Unlike Halo or Call of Duty, it's obviously, you know, it's basically paintball. Yeah. But it's it's still a lot of fun. It's very bright, very colorful, uh, very fun game to play, especially with friends. So um, if you like multiplayer shooters, pick up Splatoon 2. Absolutely. It's a lot I mean, of fun. If, if you're a Nintendo fan and you've dropped off the bandwagon like I did for quite a few years, the jump back in with the Switch. It, it's totally worth it. I give it my 100% approval rating. I mean, yeah, uh, the you know the Nintendo Switch Online thing is still a you know kind of a sticks in my craw a bit that it's not coming out till September. But um, once it launches, uh, all wounds will be salved. I think <laughs> at least yeah. mine will. Um, but on that note, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, let's see. In April 19th of 1982, Namco releases Dig Dug, manufactured by Atari in North America. Um, and that's one of the things I liked so much about um, SteamWorld Dig. It reminded me a lot of Dig Dug. It's like a it's like a cross between Dig Dug and a platformer. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows what Dig Dug is. I mean, it's one of those classic arcade games. Yeah. You know, it's. You know, I, I, it's pretty much on every like arcade compilation you can find on like the PlayStation or the Xbox. Dig Dug is always on there. It's, yeah. it's simple, but it's it's really fun. Uh, anybody can play it. Fantastic arcade game. Yeah, it's one of the best. one of my favorites. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. In uh, 1982, Activision releases Pitfall, which goes on to sell four million copies. Another you know, famous, uh, another famous classic video game. Oh yeah. I think everybody owned a copy of pitfall for the 2600, probably one of the top five best games you could get for the Atari 2600. Yeah. Again, it's one of those, you know, I kind of put it in the same category as dig dug. 
think of games from that era. Yeah. You know, Pitfall and Dig Dug are two of the first that you think of. Then, of course, they tried to move Pitfall over to the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And man, those games were awful. They were really bad. <laughs> so uh, I heard. Yeah, d- don't bother if you <laughs> if you find those at a garage sale. If they're asking a dollar for them, that's too much. Tell them you'll just take it off of their hands for like free because <laughs> it's they're they're awful. <laughs> um, and also in April of 1985, uh, Atari Games releases Paperboy with a controller modeled after bicycle handlebars. Did you ever play Paperboy in the actual arcade? I did not. I played it a few times. I, I played it on Nintendo as well, um, but I wasn't a big fan of the game all that much. I, I like the uh, the the arcade version better with the actual handlebars. But um, but as far as the, I know the NES version is kind of like a you know it's one of those classic games that everybody kind of loves. I just find it kind of repetitious and boring. So I've heard, I, I want to say they made a Paperboy game for the, did they make one for the Super Nintendo? I think they They might have been Paperboy 2. Uh, let, let, me, right. let me I'm... check real quick. Yeah, it was released for, Paperboy 2 was Genesis, yeah. NES, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, and Game Gear. Yeah. Have they made any Paperboys since then? Not that I'm aware of, no. Um, well, it, uh, I don't think so, unless I'm just missing something. No, no yeah, I'm not seeing anything. Because that it. was a big, you know, that was a big title for the, the, uh, the NES back in the day. You would think that would be something that they would, especially with motion controls, like on the Wii, that would have been a perfect Wii game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I might look at, because I've been curious about those games, because I remember reading about them in Nintendo Power. I thought about getting the, the SNES version and possibly doing a review for it. I, I might somewhere down the line, but it's one that I'm not like in a huge rush to do. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, in April of 1990, Konami releases Snake's Revenge, a sequel to Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America, Developed without the involvement of uh, Hideo Kojima. Uh, one of the only Metal Gear games made without his involvement. And also one of the most, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, hated of the Metal Gear games. Not a lot of people like that game. I've never played a Metal Gear game before. I, I'm not a fan of uh, stealth games. Especially back mm-hmm. in the NES days. That's just not my my cup of tea, even up to these days. Whenever there's a game, like I remember telling you a couple of months back when I was playing Breath of the Wild, there there's a, a mission in there in the game when you have to do a lot of stealth stuff. Uh, when you go into mm-hmm. the, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the, uh, the hideout that you have to go into. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the ninjas or whatever they were that you had to, to, to fight. But. Yeah. I was having such a hard time with that part of the game because I'm just, I hate stealth missions. There, there's only a couple type of game, uh, game modes that I hate. Anything with a stealth mission and anything with an escort mission. I hate escort missions. I hate it when games make me escort somebody. Yeah, escort missions are the worst. Yeah. I, I can't stand doing those. I hate them. Hate them so much. Uh, and also in April of 1990, Williams releases Smash TV in the arcades, a twin stick shooter about an ultra violent game show. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of, if I'm not mistaken, isn't this one of the very first kind of dual stick shooters, um, of the, of this type that, um, there's a lot of like indie games out these days that kind of take on the Smash TV model. Of, you know, like using the one stick to move and then the other stick to uh, point where you're shooting. And it's just sort of like you're just constantly shooting. You just have to aim where you're shooting at. I want to. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. See, this came out in, in 90. Yeah, I, I would say that's about right. I've actually, I, I've briefly heard a bit about this game, but I knew like next to nothing about it other than the title. Yeah, and they actually had a I've seen this of, stuff somewhere before. Yeah, they actually had a port of this for the Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, which you actually used both controllers. Um, the left controller moved your character, and then you used the, the, the second player controller, the D-pad. You used the D-pads on both controllers, and you used the D-pad on the player two controller to actually control where you're shooting. So it was sort of like a mm-hmm. dual stick. Uh, their kind of workaround for a dual stick shooter. It was actually kind of ingenious. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, the the arcade screenshot that's on the Wikipedia page. I could have swore I've seen this somewhere before, but it's. I do not remember where. It's probably going to kill me the rest of this podcast, and I'll remember it like two minutes after we're done. Well, it's like I said, there's a ton of these games out now, especially with like. Uh, uh, like zombie type games where there it's just sort of like a, mm-hmm. what do you call the game type where it's just like horde mode is basically what it is. It's a game of horde mode and you just try, you have to su- just survive the level until the, 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 the waves of enemies are done and then you move to the next area and then you have to survive in there and you get like, upgrades to your guns and all that kind of stuff. So I think this might have been one of the very first games to actually kind of do that. No, I think you're right. On April 20th, 1990, Nintendo releases Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light in Japan, innovating the tactical role-playing genre. You know, I've heard a lot about the Fire Emblem franchise because a couple of their characters have been used in Smash Brothers but never played a Fire Emblem game before. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this at all. I don't even I want to say this the... franchise might be like Japan exclusive. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you there there's ports of it you could probably get over here now. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's Yeah, and I, I know next to nothing about the Fire Emblem franchise. Uh, and also to close us out for this month in video game history, <clears throat> excuse me, lots of sinus problems going on lately. This stupid weather. Uh, April 2nd of 1994, Square Company releases Final Fantasy VI, then known as Final Fantasy III in North America, for the SNES on April 2nd in Japan and October 11th in North America. Now, here is a, a series of games that I can't follow at all because it's like it's over here, it's Final Fantasy 3, over there it's 6, over here it's 4, and over there it'll be like 10. <laughs> it like doesn't line up at all. And I'm just like, yep, I'm not even going to jump into this. It's Final Fantasy 16 in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to follow it. Not even going to try. No, I mean, you can't deny its success and the huge following that it has, but I just, I cannot for the life of me get into Final Fantasy. And I've tried. I really have tried, but I just, I can't do it. I don't know if it's because of the the numbering system, like yeah. you know, it's it's six in Japan and three over here, or vice versa. I don't know. I, I just I can't get into it. I mean, anybody that that is into the Final Fantasy series, please send us an email or an MP3 explaining to us. Like one of the things I want to know is like, can you just jump in at any point, or do you have to go back and play them all? 
to to understand what's going on? Is it all one big timeline, or is it kind of like Zelda, where each game is sort of like self-contained? Like, what's going on with Final Fantasy? So, anybody out there that's like, you know, screaming at us right now, send an MP3 or send us uh, an email, nerdcaveretro@gmail.com. Tell us all about it and why you love the Final Fantasy series, and set us right. Give us a reason to try out Final Fantasy. No, because I, I would I would enjoy hearing it. You know, I would you know, I, I want to be able to even like kind of get into it, like at least understand why it's as popular as it is. But as of right now, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but Derek, there's a, a really big movie that came out this weekend called Ready Player One. And, you know, originally it was a book. And if people want to like people like, well, Jason, I don't have time to read. Like, how am I supposed to read this book? You know, they make a movie. I want to read the book, but I just don't have time. How can I read the book? Derek, tell them how they can read the book. Absolutely. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, my recommendation for this week would be Ready Player One, because the movie just came out, which I did see um, on opening night. Excellent movie. Um, from what I've heard, it's quite different than the book, but it's still a really good movie because it still contains that, you know, the core fun value of the book. The book is written by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton of Star Will. Trek The Next Generation fame. Wheaton. 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 Uh, but they they have other books as well. They have a ton of them. They've got uh, Star Wars books. They've got fiction, nonfiction, fantasy, romance, gaming. They have books from World of Warcraft, Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect. Literally any genre you can think of, Audible has. And if you're always on the go, like I am, you know, Audible's a great service to have. You know, I can read, you know, 15 to 20 minutes worth of a book, you know, in the morning when I'm driving to work and then another 20 driving back you know it's you can still carve out some time without having to sit down and read a physical copy so if you want to do that just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave again that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial and on the note of ready player one i will be going to see it at the one o'clock showing tomorrow because i have monday off uh thank you easter and uh, I'll be seeing it tomorrow, and I'll, I'll give you a, a call tomorrow evening to let you know what I think about it. Sweet. Can't wait so, to hear it. Um, but this week, we are going to be talking about... That is the music from Little Nemo, the Dream Naster, known as Pajama Hero Nemo in Japan. It is a platform game released on the NES in 1990 by Capcom. It is based on the Japanese animated film Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, which in itself is based on the comic strip Little Nemo in Slumberland by Windsor McKay, uh, which is kind of, which is really cool because even when I was a kid, this was an old property. I mean, you're talking about something that was, um, you know, back in the early 1900s at the turn of the 20th century, uh, you know, in the, in the very wee decades of the 20th century, you know, the comic pages were huge and newspapers back. And you know, remember newspapers, kids, uh, back in the day, like extra, extra. Yeah. Each comic strip was like an entire page. And that's, you know, how little Nemo, uh, was read back in the day. It was like an entire newspaper page back in the day. And I mean, this was a property that, you know, when my grandpa was a kid, like my grandfather used to read Little Nemo in the paper when he was a kid. So, you know, by the 1980s, when this was released or 1990, this was an old property. Like I saw this, I was like, oh, that's my grandpa's stuff. Why are they making games out of this? But, you know, I, I, Never played this that much back in the day, even though I was a huge Capcom fan. 
I had maybe rented this like maybe once when I was a kid. Uh, and I don't know why I never got into it. Um, we had one of our listeners. Uh, as a matter of fact, I need to, for some reason, I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, I think his name is Travis. Uh, but he got a hold of me a couple of weeks ago and asked me about uh, doing Little Nemo. And um, I, I, I played it for a bit. Uh, I streamed it. Uh, uh, I think it was last week sometime. Um, and I did, played it for about two hours, I guess. And, um, yeah, I, I played it for about two hours and I kind of got stuck on the second level. <laughs> it was, it, and that's the thing that surprised me about this game is how difficult it really is. I haven't gotten to play it too much since then, like maybe another 30 or 40 minutes. I'm still stuck on the second level. So this is not really going to be a really complete full review of the game. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and do it for him. Uh, because he had asked me to do it. I, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. I don't know why I am uh, blanking on his name. I, I'm almost positive it's Travis. Uh, I guess I need to go to our uh, Nerd Cave Retro page. and go to Is it our... Travis Martin? Yeah, that's it. Travis Martin. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, he, he brought it to my attention, and uh, I, I knew that I really wanted to do this game at some point. Uh... But yeah, I started playing it. I got stuck on the second level. And uh, if you want to go watch that, uh, it's actually on my YouTube page at uh, JFunktastic on YouTube. Uh, you can go watch me play it. Uh, it's a really cool game. I mean, it's a great concept. You're this little boy. Uh, well, let me read the, the, the description here. The game revolves around a young boy in his own surreal dreams as he journeys to slumberland. Nemo can ride certain animals such as a frog, a gorilla, or a mole by feeding them candy. Each animal has its own skills needed to complete the level. The purpose of the game is to travel to the nightmare land to rescue Morpheus, the king of slumberland, from the clutches of the evil nightmare king. Um, and it, it's, uh, the gameplay is pretty simple. I mean, it plays, it's basically your basic platformer, uh, and the controls are really, really good. I mean, it's, it's, a plays a lot like, um, like the, the, the feel of the game is a lot like, uh, you know, Mega Man, very Mega Man-ish. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, it, from what I've played so far, it it poses quite a challenge. So if you're into games that you know platforming games, especially what they term Nintendo hard, which I'm throwing up air quotes right now, uh, it's definitely a Nintendo hard type of game. Uh, and and the the music is very pleasant, but it was starting to drive me a little bit nuts in the second level because I heard it for like over an hour straight. But going back and listening to it, uh, trying to look for some uh, music to capture for the show tonight, it's got really good music in it. And um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a really good game. I'm gonna keep playing it. I, I hopefully one day can get to the point where I can actually finish it, which would be nice. Um, <clears throat> but here are some of the animal friends. Along with their special powers, Grant Nemo increased stamina. Aside from them. Uh, aside from the fish, frog, and hermit crab, no animals can swim. Nemo hops off an animal's back by pressing the select button. Uh, the, there's a gorilla. You can jump on a gorilla's back, and he can punch enemies when the B button is pressed because uh, Nemo himself doesn't have an attack. All he has is candy that he throws at these uh, certain animals that he can ride, and then he can use the animals to attack. Um, and the point of each level is to actually go through, you have a certain amount of keys that you have to, uh, you have to acquire, uh, and the, the keys, you have to use the different animals abilities to be able to reach the keys because they're kind of hidden throughout the levels. Uh, some of the levels you have to, you know, some of the keys you have to like dig underground or, you know, you have to climb, uh, tall trees or, you know, like use a, a, the bee to fly to certain areas to get there. Uh, and the bee can fly, um, but it, it will die if it gets wet. There's a frog. Uh, you can actually hop inside the frog's mouth and you can jump higher and swim faster. Uh, but you walk slowly on land. You can actually knock enemies out by jumping on them while you're in the frog. Uh, there's a lizard. Hops on the lizard's back and he runs a bit faster and he can climb up walls. Uh, <clears throat> there's a hermit crab. You can burrow under sand and, tr and travel safely below the ground. It can use its claws to attack. 
Uh, there's a flounder, which is, of course, the swimming. Uh, there's a mole, which you can dig underneath the ground. Uh, and there's a mouse, and the mouse can attack enemies with his mallet, climb on walls, jump high, and can knock down certain walls. So any questions thus far? Well, it's funny because, you know, when you said you were going to review this game, it sounded really familiar. And I want to say that when I was a kid, I saw the movie, but I had no idea that it was a game as well. Yeah. Because I, I, I saw the, the cover of the like the poster and the, the DVD. So I want to say I might have saw that movie once as a kid because it, it looks very, very familiar, but I can't remember that much from it. But I, I had zero idea that this was a game. So th this is all brand new to me. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, they, they, they Capcom got this property, but it wasn't like it was a huge property or anything. You know, I remember the movie back in the day but i mean you're talking about a property that was <clears throat> uh a newspaper cartoon that mm -hmm. was at least 50 to 60 70 years old at this point when they made this game so to kind of come out with a new property for it and you know cuz kids weren't really that familiar with it like, I was familiar with it at the time as a kid because I was really big on, you know, cartooning and learning about cartoons. And I was really kind of a nerd about, you know, newspaper comics when I was a kid. Still kind of am, but not as much as I was when I was a kid. So I knew who Little Nemo was when I was a kid. Um, but it just, I, I guess it did well. I mean, but it, they never did any sort of like... Uh, like a sequel to it or anything, at least not that I know of. Let me make sure that they did not. I doubt it. Little Nemo sequel video game. You may have mentioned this uh, earlier on, and if, and if you did, I apologize. But um, as far as the gameplay goes, like what other games could you compare this to? It's... Hmm. I don't know what I would compare it to. I mean, it's sort of a mix of like, uh, like I said, it controls a lot like Mega Man, but there is like kind of Super Mario Brother elements in it. There's, um, it's kind of a unique platformer because like I said, you know, Little Nemo doesn't have an attack. You have to mm -hmm. use, you know, the different animals to complete your objectives or to take out other enemies. So I can't really think of anything that sort of takes that same model at the t at least not, not anything that jumps right out of my mind at the moment. Well, looking at some of the screen caps, it, it does look a little bit like it, like a Mega Man type game. Yeah. It's at least that's what the graphics make me think of. Yeah. It's got that, that cat classic, NES Capcom look to it, you know, like the, uh, this falls right in there with, um, with like DuckTales and the, the, the Disney games like, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers and things like that. Um, it, I would put this right next to like DuckTales as far as like the music and the, you know, kind of the, the aesthetic of the game you know, trying to gather the keys to get through the level. So if anything, it's kind of close. That's probably the game it's closest to is like DuckTales. Gotcha. Sort of like a mix of, It does of, look like DuckTales a little bit too. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of like DuckTales and, and Mega Man sort of. So it's a really interesting game. And, and, and I can't really... From what I've played so far, I mean, as far as the graphics and the music and the gameplay... You know, I would give this game a good solid seven so far, but I, I think if I actually finished the game, I, I would give it probably a higher score, but I, I don't know. I haven't finished the game, but that'll probably take me a couple of months or maybe some cheat codes or something, you know, because it is, it, it is that Nintendo hard kind of game. You have to pop in the game, Genie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, I, I kind of want to see if I can find the movie somewhere and, and watch it. Cause I, I could have swore I watched this as a kid. It, it looks just so familiar to me. Well, I imagine you did. Cause I, I remember the, that the cartoon, the movie being kind of an HBO staple 
when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably where I saw it, it to be honest, but yeah, it, it might even be like on YouTube or something. Yeah, I would imagine so. Or maybe you could, uh, actually let's look it up right now. Uh, little Nemo. What was the name of the movie? The name of the movie was adventures in slumberland adventures in slumberland. Uh, let's see. I'll check. Um, I'll check Prime. Uh, it is on Amazon.com. Actually, I could look it up on. Um, what is? Let's see. Just watch. And look for. Da, da, da. Little Adventures Nemo in Adventures Slumberland. in Slumberland. Right now, it is. Oop. It is not streaming anywhere, and it is not available for download anywhere. Wow, I was way off. Um, let's look on YouTube and see if there is a, a bootleg. Don't let us down, YouTube. Adventures in Slumberland. Oh, we it, might have our winner. Oh, yes. It is uh, anime on TMS official channel. This is the very yep. first one that pops up. So, yeah, it's available right now on YouTube. Shout out to anime on TMS official channel. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> if you're interested in playing the game, watching the movie, go to YouTube, watch Little Nemo and, and Slumberland, and then go uh, fire up Little Nemo the Dream Master on your NES which I would uh, very Absolutely. much recommend. So you said you would give this a, a seven? Yeah, I'd give it about a seven so far from what I've played so far. Uh, and just to tell everybody a little bit about the gameplay, uh, the player controls Nemo as he, as he proceeds through side-scrolling 2D levels. Each level, you must collect a number of keys, which are generally scattered throughout the large levels. The number of keys needed to beat each level is not indicated to the player until reaching the exit at the end of the level, which kind of sucks because you get there and you find out you've still got like one key left to get, so you got to go backtrack uh, everywhere you've been to try to find any spots you may have missed. Uh, uh, throughout each level, the player encounters several animals, which after being fed candy will allow him to use their powers. Uh, some of the animals are necessary, while others simply make things a little easier. Uh, the animal's life bars often differ, differ from Nemo, with some animals possessing extra health bars. Such abilities are vital, as many challenging obstacles, you can say that again, exist throughout the game, and the enemies are virtually almost infinite. As such, Little Nemo is generally regarded as a highly difficult game. Yeah, you can say that again. Kind of going back to that Nintendo hard that you were it talking is. about. Yeah, it's it's up there probably uh, as one of the toughest games I, I think I've played in a long time. Wow. But it's fun. I mean, if you're a Nintendo, uh, if you're interested in, in getting a Nintendo collection and, and playing Nintendo games, you can't go wrong with a Capcom title, especially in the NES era. They were just on top of their game. Uh, without meaning to use a pun, <laughs> but back in the, yeah. the NES era, Capcom were just, you know, they were firing on all cylinders, so you can't go wrong with a Capcom title. And this is definitely one of their best from what I've seen so far, uh, as far as, you know, there's just the look of the game, the, the graphics, the music, gameplay. It's just, it's really difficult. So if you're in the mood for a really cool looking game that's really difficult, this is right up your alley. For sure. Yeah, I, I want to uh, check out some gameplay of this. So, um, you, can you, know, watch I, me, you can watch me flounder yeah. on the first two levels for, <laughs> I, for two hours on, on my YouTube page if you want. I think I might do that because, like I said, <laughs> uh, until until we did this show, I had no idea that this was a game. You know, like when you, you mentioned it, uh, I think, off air last week, you mentioned Little Nemo, and I, I thought – nothing of it and then when i saw the poster i was like oh i had no idea that was a game yeah yeah i just associated it with the the movie yeah so it's been a very uh very informative show for me this week awesome 
Um, but yeah, and we actually put out a call for people to uh, to send us some MP3s or you know emails about uh, the big Zelda discussion we had a few weeks ago. Um, we got one from one of our longtime listeners, Mr. Tyler Watsons, who's been with us since the beginning. Nice. Uh, and I'm going to play, uh, this is going to run about two minutes. So, uh, we're going to let Mr. Uh, Mr. Watson give us his thoughts on Legend of Zelda. Hey guys, Tyler Watson here. So you wanted to hear some of our Zelda memories. So my first proper introduction to the series was through Zelda two at a friend of mine's house when I was a kid and played it couple of times you know died a lot because i'd never played anything like it before and of course became obsessed with watching the cartoon show and derek anybody that gives you any guff for liking the zelda show you just look them dead in the eye and just go well excuse me princess (laughs) but um i didn't actually own any of the games until about 98 99 when i got a copy of link to the past and leaks awakening which are still my two favorite in the whole series and the music is really kind of what drew me in and really blew me away so much so that when i was in junior high i was on the newspaper and yearbook staff and when i'd get sent out on assignment you know while everyone else was in class i'd get to roam the empty halls by myself so i made a little adventure out of it and would hum the overworld theme to myself every time i was out and about um also got a Jimi Hendrix greatest hit CD about that same time, and I was listening to that a lot. So now the two have kind of become synonymous with each other. So I can't hear all along the Watchtower anymore without picturing Link adventuring through the Dark World. Um, I it's really it's probably my second favorite series behind Mega Man and. I, oh, I went to Japan in 2005. Got I won a trip over there to be on a TV show. And our first day of filming, I'm in my emerald green uh, Legend of Zelda shirt with Link kneeling down, holding a shield, sword out. And the, it was a hit with the crew. They were telling me how much they used to play it when they were kids. So, uh, yeah. So, again, uh, thanks for letting me send this in and hope you guys have a good one. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, for sending that in. And um, if anybody out there, if you want to send us your Zelda memories or even any retro gaming memories, please send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Uh, and Derek, did you have any, any thoughts on Mr. Watson's uh, uh, email? Well, it's funny because I know exactly what shirt he's talking yeah. about. You know, it's, it's a pretty... <laughs> Pretty popular uh, Zelda shirt, and thanks for having my back with the the show. It, it's <laughs> it's so bad, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I love it. It, it was that that was that was really fun. I I hope we get more of those in the future. That's cool. I didn't know that he uh, he got uh, he won a trip to Japan. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that is fantastic. Why can't I win a trip to Japan? Maybe I need to right <laughs> enter some contests or something. Yeah, yeah, same here. Take Nerd Cave Retro to Japan. That'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be great. Go to the Nintendo Japan headquarters. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> NCR. Uh, on that the road. would be too good. Uh, but yeah, that's. Yes. I think that's going to about do it for this week. Uh, did we want to? Did you want to say anything about Rampage before we go? Yes. Uh, so we actually had. Um, I'm trying to pull up the message here. We got a uh, a message on Facebook from Derek Bryant asking if we were going to do a Rampage review before the movie comes out. Well, the movie does come out uh, next Friday, so I will be reviewing Rampage next week, which I, I didn't know it went as far back as the arcade days. You know, I remember playing uh, Rampage World Tour, but I didn't know the original one You know, came out in 86. So, uh, And even going back and looking through the archives... I have yet to review an NES game or an arcade game on this show, which is kind of crazy to think about. So, yeah, next week I will be reviewing Rampage. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I didn't even think about that, that uh, that you've never even you've never done a single NES game, like straight up NES game. Nope, just uh, SNES, Game Boy and 64. That's awesome. 
Oh, yeah, uh, so. I forgot something else I wanted to talk about too, but from, from Mr. Derek Bryant on our uh, our Facebook page, he sent us some messages uh, on ThinkGeek right now. There's this thing that as the uh, exclusive vinyl LP um, of the Namco Museum, and let me click on this. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's I'm looking at the vinyl. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, it won't let me click it. It was letting me click it before. Uh, but it's a Namco Museum uh, exclusive vinyl LP. And I guess it, it's basically just all the um, uh, all the music from the original. Like uh, It's got Dig Dug, Pac-Man, Galaga, Rally X, Mappy. Uh, we've talked about Mappy before on this show. Um, it, it's thirty four ninety nine. I may have to pick this up just for, for posterity. Yeah, that would be awesome. And the, the whole, the, the cover and everything just looks really cool. Yeah. He also went to a, uh, in Indianapolis, there's a children's museum and they had a, a setup for comic books and video games. It's really cool. There's like, uh, all these different things set up with like old, uh, you know, toys and video games and stuff. And I would love to go to this museum, even if it is a children's museum. Like I wanted, it looks really cool. Like all this stuff yeah. here. No, absolutely. No, it, it looks like a really cool place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yesterday I went to uh, the flea market and one of the things I forgot to uh, talk about on the show tonight, I picked up an NES uh, for five dollars, uh, we actually went to went, went to the flea market, and we went to uh, there's this tent sale that goes on about every three to four months at these um, uh, storage this big storage place about half a mile from where I live, and they have this big tent sale out there. And I went by. And this guy had um, an old NES and two controllers and hookups and everything, and I, and. I asked him how much he wanted, and he said, it's as is, five bucks, no guarantee that it works. I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, five bucks for the controllers alone is worth it. Um, so I brought Absolutely. it home. I cracked it open. Uh, it, it's really clean on the inside, and the outside cleaned up really nice, too. Uh, I, I broke everything down. I cleaned it. Uh, I took out the 72-pin uh, the connector. I boiled it. Uh, and I put it back, everything back together. It still won't play the games, but it does come on. It's just, it, I get the blinking red light, uh, which basically just, I've uh, been actually been talking to, uh, uh, one of our followers, followers on Twitter, uh, Mr. Nate, uh, at retro game is it retro gaming dev or retro game dev. Um, retro game dev, yeah, which retro, he, he's awesome. By the way, he yeah. posts a lot of cool stuff constantly on Twitter. Yeah. Follow that dude. He posts all kind of cool stuff. And, um, yeah, he was kind of asking me, uh, about it and everything. And apparently all it is, is just a, uh, it's got a connection issue somewhere, which means that it's not getting the signal from the game. So I'm going to go back into it and try to bend the pins out because, you know, after time, the old, you know, old school, Nintendo, you push the games in and you push down to make the connection with the game. Well, that was kind of a bad design, even though it's a really cool system. Over the years, you know, the pins start to bend downward and they don't make a good connection. So uh, I could go and get a brand new 72 pin connector, but I don't really want to do that. I'd rather kind of see if I can get the old one to work because it's in really, it looks really good. Um, so mm -hmm. before I resort to getting a new 72 pin connector, I'm going to go back in and try to, uh, bend the pins out. And if I can get it working, my plan is I'm going to sand this thing down really good. I'm going to spray paint the whole thing black, and then I'm going to get a legend of Zelda stencil and I'm going to stencil a legend of Zelda, uh, 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 symbol or logo on the top of it in gold. So it's going to be my Zelda box when I get done with it. It's going to be and awesome. that will look amazing <laughs> if anybody wants to buy it you can have it for five hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> only five hundred uh, maybe more i don't know well i'll see what i can get for it i'll start a bidding war <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome 
But yeah, you know, that it, would look really cool. Yeah, it's really fun to because uh, I've always been kind of afraid. I've always been, um, you know, looked at videos on YouTube on how to actually refurbish NES uh, Nintendos and stuff. And I've always been a little bit scared to work on mine, like my original that I've always had. Um, I've always kind of broken it open and cleaned it a little bit, but always been kind of scared to take it apart, even though they're built like tanks. You can't really break them. But have, actually having a second one that I don't really care about, it's nice to have so I can just kind of screw with it and learn what I'm doing as far as cleaning it and replacing parts and all that kind of stuff. So it's nice to have. I'm glad I picked it up. So I'm thinking they're actually going to be there tomorrow, and he's got more. So I think I might go mm-hmm. and pick me up a few more just to, to see if I can refurbish all of them and turn around no, and do make it. A profit. No, absolutely. No, that, that would be a great idea. But uh, but anything else you want to talk about before we go tonight? We're actually, we broke an hour, so we've been going for quite a while. Yeah. No, just uh, as we said earlier, uh, check out the survey panel on the Derek Diamond Experience Facebook page. Uh, the video version, audio version will be out uh, probably sometime in May. But as always, you know, new episodes of that show come out every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, all podcasting platforms. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram as well at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and play our outro music. And uh, where is our outro music? Let's see it. Where is it? Is it here? Yeah, here it is. I don't have it turned up. So one of these days, I'm going to get this right. Uh, If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro.com or nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can go to our own website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter uh, at nerdcaveretro, at jfantastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek... Tell them what it's all about. Excuse me, princess. (laughs) You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.